Welcome to the Kaleidoscope with Allison Keys. This is a podcast from CBS News, and I am your host. The show is a breakout from the CBS News Weekend Roundup, and every week we discuss issues including income inequality and disability. This time we're talking about a University of Washington study finding that although pollution levels across the nation have dropped since 1990, black, Asian, and Hispanic people are still more likely to be exposed to poor air quality than whites. This is something activists and communities of color have been sounding the alarm about for decades. Researchers this time compared models of air pollution levels to census data. Corresponding study author Julian Marshall joins me to discuss the findings, saying he hopes they lead to change. That conversation after this short break. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. We looked at six major criteria pollutants um, across the United States uh, and over uh, two decades from 1990 to 2010. And I, I agree with you completely. Whether our results are surprising or not, in part, depends on who you are. And so to some extent in the in the scholarly literature, there's you know, this this has been documented before. Uh, many, many times our, our study is a little bit unique in that it's more comprehensive. It looks across the U.S. It looks at more pollutants and more timescales. So, so there's aspects in which it, which it's unique. So there are some ways in which this is there are some new findings here to the literature. But of, but of course, if you go to communities that are more exposed, this is not news. This is that people have been have been saying this for for many, many years. So uh, what pollutants were you looking at in this particular paper? We looked at six pollutants. These are criteria pollutants, which means they're pollutants that the EPA tracks very, very closely and has measurements of these pollutants around the country. So the six pollutants we looked at are carbon monoxide, nitrogen dioxide, ozone, sulfur dioxide, and then two sizes of particulate matter, uh, PM2.5 and PM10. Okay, and that's that's dust and vehicle exhaust, right? Particulate matter comes from many sources, which would include dust or road dust. Um, it could come from vehicle exhaust, which can then react to form particles in the air. Um, it also comes from power plant emissions and from agriculture. Uh, there's there's many many sources, all of which contribute to particulate matter. Okay, and your study finds that people of color. I I think somewhere in the paper it says there is no place and no state where there's no environmental justice concerns. Yes, that, that was one of our core findings, that these are ubiquitous. Um, I mean, if I could give you, I guess there, there are four core findings from our study. So one is that where there are disparities, people of color are the ones who are more exposed. There are not locations where we, we see white people being more exposed. The second conclusion is uh, there are also differences by uh, income, but the differences that we see by race and ethnicity are larger than and are separate from the differences by income. So, so the differences by race and ethnicity are not sort of only attributable to differences by income. 
Um, the third thing is we see disparities across all states. Uh, and the fourth thing is when we look over time, so we studied 1990, 2000, and 2010, um, in many cases, the air is getting cleaner, which, which is good news, and, and everyone has benefited from that, um, and we should celebrate that. Um, however, the flip side is that um, even as the air has cleaned up, the relative disparities are uh, going down much less quickly. And so we have everyone, everyone is, everyone's air is cleaning up, but you still have some people are more exposed to air pollution than others. And so that says that we, we still have a ways to go. There still are disparities that are out there. Talk to me a little bit about how you came up with this data. What, what model did you use? The analysis has two inputs. Uh, one is demographic information, where people live, and we get that from the U.S. Census. Um, and the other is what are the air pollution concentrations and how do they vary in space? And so those models uh, of what are the pollution concentrations include U.S. EPA measurements, the monitoring stations that are that are out there. Um, it includes satellite data, um, so satellite estimates of air pollution and also of land cover. So where are their built up areas? Where is the tree coverage? Um, and then the last input is uh, land use information. So things like population density. Um, and and where are the roads and major freeways? Okay. You said that the air is getting cleaner, but people of color are still more at risk from these pollutants, which have been linked to different health conditions. Who needs to know this information and what should they do with it? I I hope this information spurs action in in many regards. So I think communities that are experiencing the, the brunt of the air pollution risks that we face in our society, uh, I'm hoping that this data will be useful to them uh, in arguing for cleaner air in their communities. Uh, since we break down our results by U.S. state, um, I'm hoping that will be useful to, to state regulators um, and then as well to people who look nationally to try to consider where are the locations around the U.S. where you have larger or smaller disparities. Um, and again, kind of hoping to spur action. What are the steps we need to take to address these disparities? So our, our research sets a baseline. You know, it talks about what are the what are the conditions in context today and in previous years. And then we want that information to be used to make improvements in the future. I'm curious because I know that some of this I'm from Chicago. I live in D.C. now. I'm surrounded by construction and can't tell you the level of stuff that is wafting through the air. Does your research show is it all about construction sites? Is it about being near highways? Are there particular are there particular things that exist in these communities that should be a trigger for people to be paying attention? I have two answers to that question. One answer is that our models look at what are the concentrations and they don't try to attribute what are the sources. And so we look at where concentrations are higher or lower and who's more exposed and less exposed. And this particular study does not get at what are the sources of, of that pollution. However, in, in many communities, there are sources of, of pollution that are pretty obvious. Um, some pollutants are relatively local. Um, a pollutant like nitrogen dioxide, which varies quite a bit in space as you move around a city, depending largely on whether, for example, you're near a major roadway or not, whereas other pollutants are regional in nature. And so even if you have a local source in your backyard that you can see with your eye and it stands out, you, you know, it's, it's visible on a daily basis, um, for regional pollutants, a lot of times the majority of the pollution actually comes in from farther away. And so the 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 net result is that most pollutants have many different emission sources that contribute to what we breathe. I, I wonder, Julian, as as a researcher, 
as you said, this is something that has been known in some ways for a while. Does the length of this disparity make you angry or sad or just thinking somebody's got to do something about this? It, it does make me angry and it makes me sad. And I hope this is a wake up call. I feel like we are having a, a moment in our society where a lot of people who didn't focus on equity issues, including racial equity and, and justice, not not only focused on race and ethnicity, but as one of the one of the larger types, we're having a moment where many people are orienting towards and recognizing the inequities in our society. And so my hope is that data like this does the helps to do the first thing which is necessary, which is to shed a light on the problem. It's not it's not sufficient. We can't just study the problem and then move on, but we need to start by acknowledging what the disparities are. I think for environmental fields, like with many fields, with many aspects of our society, there are systems in place that when they were set up, people were not necessarily thinking about equity and justice and and racial disparities when they set up those systems. And so as as a result, you have a system that does what it was designed to do and is not focused on on racial justice. And, And I think that may be true also of things like the Clean Air Act. The Clean Air Act has done tremendous good for improving air pollution across decades, and we need to celebrate its achievements while also recognizing with evidence like this that that air pollution risks are not spread equally. And we need approaches that not only benefit everybody in the average, um, but we also need approaches that, that benefit the specific groups that are more exposed to air pollution. Okay. I, I just feel like I've been doing this story since I got into this business. No. It's just awful. I know. I know. I mean, I, th- I, yes, yes, and yes. I think kind of how you respond to this news depends very much on, on who you are more than the news itself for the reasons you just said. I think, um, of course, in, in, in kind of the power dynamics of how decisions are made, you know, some information uh, gets in through that process and some does not. And, and people's lived experience often does not make it in to the bureaucracy and other processes we have. And so, Unfortunately, it, it takes a study like this to help orient decision makers sometimes towards what needs to happen. And so, you know, that's that's my hope is that people are today more attuned to this problem. Um, I, I certainly can understand if someone were skeptical and cynical, um, especially for communities that have been saying this over and over again for years and decades. You know, I think I think for the environmental topics, like I mean, this is you know way outside kind of our study and and, and my research, but um, a lot of these problems took generations to get into, and and they, I would like to be optimistic and say we can make forward progress rapidly, and and I hope that's the case for environmental topics, but realistically, the systemic racism in our society has taken us a long time to get here, and it may take a while to get out of where we are, even with everyone's efforts and good intentions, we still have a ways to go. And I think that's true if you're studying many topics, you know, if you're studying access to green space or school quality, you know, or food deserts, you know, there's all these topics and, and I'm studying air pollution. And so I'm seeing the same issues here in air pollution that we have these disparities, you know, average levels are getting better, um, but we still have these disparities that remain and we need people in this field also to focus explicitly on the racial ethnic, ethnic disparities. That's corresponding study author Julian Marshall at the University of Washington. 
Thanks so much for joining us. Also, thanks to Ashley Armstrong for her production assistance. Like what you hear? Come back for more. There will be new episodes of Kaleidoscope with Allison Keys every Tuesday. Follow the show wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Allison Keys, CBS News. you ready for an all-new season of survivor you better be because survivor 46 is here and it's 90 minutes of twists and turns you don't want to miss better yet after each episode there's a brand new episode of on fire the only official survivor podcast each week we go behind the scenes of the episode's biggest moments taking you into the how and the why things happened and this season we're very lucky to be joined by an expert the winner of survivor 45 d Viadaris. What is up? I'm thrilled to be joining this team and to be giving you my take on how and the why players made the moves they did, what it takes to outwit, outplay, and outlast, and to ask Jeff some questions because even after 26 days out there, there is still a lot for me to uncover. Bring it, D. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast.